As we give, can we just silence ourselves right now before the Lord? Can we just come before him reverent right now? Let's begin to lay down what we walked in here with. Let's begin to lay down what we think we know. Open our hearts up for the Lord to speak today. Everything we walked in here with, everything that's been concerning our hearts, concerning our minds, you say, I surrender all. Sing that out. I surrender all unto thee, unto thee, my blessed Savior, I Surrender. Let's sing that one more time. Surrender everything. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. Unto thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. We lay it down right now at your feet, Lord. We say, speak, your servants are listening. Less of me right now, God, more of you. None of me right now, God, all of you. Let your words move and speak in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So I usually use the handheld mic um, but the Holy Spirit was telling me today, don't put this down. So I'm holding it. There's sometimes that <laughs> you shouldn't put this down. You shouldn't put it down because we need it. It's our daily bread. It's our filter. It's everything. And as I was walking in today and driving and even in worship, I was like, I can't put this thing down. I can't put this word down because I want to know. I want to know what his voice is speaking to me. I want to know where he wants me to go. I want to know the way he wants me to see, the way he wants me to live. And today, my message is called Edit. Everybody say Edit. I got this revelation um, probably a couple weeks ago now, and I was driving in the car, and I'm a photographer. I do photography, videography. And the Lord kind of spoke to me in this way, and he said, you know, people that are Christians and people that live life and go through their world, they don't know how to edit. They don't know how to edit. We know how to apply filters, but we don't know how to edit. You know, when we take a picture, when we upload it to whatever social media we have, they have like the preset options at the bottom, right? You can pick a filter to apply to it. You could pick a filter 
to add to your photo that you took, but it's generic, right? Sometimes maybe one half of the picture will look good, the other half looks kind of crazy. It doesn't turn out exactly the way you want it to because you don't know how to edit. We apply this general filter. Maybe it's a silly one where you get dog ears and a tongue, or maybe it's one that makes you look a lot better than you actually do in real life. Whatever it is, that's your preference. But (laughs) we add these filters to our life and we add these filters to our pictures that just throw this blanket of perception over what's truly there. And the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, that's how people are approaching their faith today. That's how people are approaching their faith. They're throwing these man-made ideas and filters and these world paradigms and perspectives over top of a merciful, all-knowing creator of the universe that loves us. Filled with grace, filled with mercy. We're throwing the way the world teaches us over top of that. We're putting filters on Jesus. We're putting filters on our Lord and Savior. Man-made things that we think, self-preservation, survival, using anger as fuel. We're putting filters of this world over an eternal kingdom. And when we do that, it's opposite of each other. It counteracts each other because they're not one and the same. You can't think about this the way this world has taught you to. You can't think about this word. You can't think about our Savior. You can't think about the word becoming flesh, coming down to earth and dying on a cross for you sitting in these seats today with the same filter that you put on this world. We're serving an eternal God. We're serving an eternal God that has grace that never ends, that has love that never ends, that wants to be with you, that wants to speak to you, that wants to use your life. It is a blessing. Amen? It is a blessing to have that. And so what I want us to do today is to shift from throwing filters of this world over our faith into editing the way that we walk based upon this word. I want us to edit the way that we live, edit the way that we walk, edit the choices that we make through this. Because we don't need to know how to throw filters on. Your two-year-old can do it. I'm sure Tommy and Mila know how to put a filter on their picture. Right? You know how to do it. <laughs> we don't need that. Maybe the elder said, I don't <laughs> Good. <laughs> you don't need it. <laughs> we don't need to add the silly filters of this world that tell us we have to live in bondage to our faith. Because what happens is when we add those filters of the world, it contradicts what this says. And we can't truly walk in the fullness of what he's trying to do and what he's trying to speak to you. Because in your mind, this filter is placed over this that says, ah, he can't really heal me. He can't really restore this family. He can't really fix this thing that's so broken inside of me. He can't free me from this addiction because the filter of my life, what I've learned, what I've been taught, the way I see this doesn't match this eternal savior that loves me. So we have to learn to edit. Look at somebody say, learn to edit. We're going to learn to edit today. Amen. (laughs) So I want to teach us a little bit from Titus today. And I I love, love how Paul writes this letter to Titus. And Titus was sent to the island of Crete that was right off the coast of Greece. And he was sent there 
to set things right and establish churches. And the status of Crete matches up so well with this revelation of these people were throwing worldly filters onto their faith. Because they would hear the gospel, they would hear the word of God, they would get mixed in with religious leaders that were just trying to make money. It would get mixed in with people that weren't living to the fullness of what God wants us to do. They were assimilating into the culture and mixing their culture with the word of God and not truly living a full life sold out to him. And because of that, they were applying filters of their current culture to God. They believed that they were the island where Zeus was born. So they were applying the perspective and the filter of who they knew the god Zeus, the god of lightning, to be. They said he was scandalous. He would sleep with their women. He would party. He would get drunk. And so they were applying that to Jesus because that's the god that they knew. That's the god that they understood. And because of that, it was creating this contradiction. And what happened was that the people who were claiming to be Christians We're living these lives that were not reflective of what God told us to do, what Jesus set an example for. And because of that, it was being watered down. The gospel was being watered down. The effectiveness of what these people were trying to teach had no power. It had no power. Their neighbors pointed at them and said, why would I want to be a Christian? They're in bondage just like me. Why would I want to be a Christian? They're addicts just like me. Why would I want to be a Christian? They're mean and slander. They talk trash about each other. They're evil, just like me. And because of that filter that was placed upon the word on the island of Crete, the gospel wasn't moving. The spirit wasn't moving. They were lost. And so Paul writes this letter to Titus telling them that he needs him to go and set these things straight, to fix these things up, to get right, to get things edited back towards the word of God, towards what the Lord said. He said, listen, they're assimilating, they're throwing these filters of culture that they've been taught over this beautiful gospel. He said, Titus, I need you to go and teach them how to edit. I need you to go and teach them how to edit. And at the end of um, Titus 2, in verse 10, he says, and do not steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, They will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. He said, go so that we can make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. In verse 11 to 11, he says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Everybody say all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. You see, what he's talking about there is that we need to make the truth of this gospel shine through our own lives so that it's attractive to people. People shouldn't see Christians and say, oh, God, I don't want nothing to do with them. People shouldn't see your life and say, oh, 
saved me. I was at a, <laughs> I might reference this place a lot because there's a lot of things that happen, but I was at a Christian school's basketball game yesterday, and I heard somebody say, oh, these Christians. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm so sorry for whoever, <laughs> whoever gave you that poor filter, whoever was living their Christian life with that filter on, because you got the wrong idea. You got the wrong perspective. You should say, oh, those Christians, they're a blessing. They're happy. They have the fruits of the Spirit. They have love. They have peace. They have kindness, goodness. They're self-controlled. They're patient with one another. We should be able to see Christians and say, wow, that is amazing. And that's what Paul is telling Titus to do. He's telling Titus, he's saying, listen, I'm not telling you to go in there and start a culture uprising rebuking everybody and saying that they're awful and evil and trying to ruin people's lives and trying to fight. He said, I'm not trying to make you fight. He said, I'm not trying to make you run and hide either. That's what he explains in the beginning of Titus. I'm not telling you to go hide in your houses and separate yourself from those people, to leave those people out to die. What I'm telling you is to live a life that is edited by this word, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered so that when you interact with this culture, when you interact with these people that are using filters of this world, they will look at your life and say, man, that picture looks a lot different than what I have. That picture looks a lot better than what I have. And I need to know what it is. I need to know what it is. I need to know what they have because I need it in my life. And so he told Titus, go get elders, get elders that can live pure lives, that can set the example, set the example for the next generation. So that's what they strive for. So when they look up, they're not looking up to something that is evil. That's why it's so important for you to be here. That's why it's so important, especially if you have kids, to be here. They need to look up and see somebody worshiping. They need to look up and see somebody that is filled with the joy of the Lord, not the filters of this world. Because if they learn to desire and crave the filters of this world, that's what they're going to become. And so Titus was telling him, said, get elders, set them in place so that they can look up to this ideal family that God has placed here. That they can look up to these people who know how to edit their lives and live in the fullness of Christ. And so... I want us to read Titus 3 together and really look into what he's saying because once we get to this point, he's telling us what this looks like. What is this people that has grown up looking at these, these elders that are pure? What, is, what does this group of people look like who knows how to edit, who is spiritually empowered? Does anybody want to be spiritually empowered in here today? Filled with the Holy Spirit, obedient to what he's saying, ready to go ready to do what is needed at every single turn. That's what the Lord is saying here. That's what Paul is writing to Titus in this letter. That's what God is speaking over this. So in Titus 3, he says, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Say obedient. Obedient. Nobody likes to be obedient. From the time you're 2 to the time you're 80, you do not like to be obedient. It is against our human, carnal, flesh nature. You can sit there and say that you do like to be obedient, but I see how you all drive. (laughs) I I come into church, too, and I see how the cars fly into this parking lot. You know, I saw somebody 
cuss at someone before in our church parking lot. Cut somebody off, and the person got out the window and started cussing. Whoa. <laughs> Sheesh. That's a, that's a crazy filter. So <laughs> let me get back to Titus 3. That's why I'm not putting the word down today. <laughs> he said, be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. To be, if you want to be able to be ready to do whatever is good, you have to be obedient. If you want to be ready to serve, if you want to be ready to pray for somebody, you have to be obedient. Because if you're not, the Lord will call upon you and you ain't going to be paying attention. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss what he's trying to tell you. He goes on to say, to slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle toward everyone. To be peaceable and gentle. Church, I'm asking you, how do you love and honor the people that are around you? How do you love and honor the people that are around you? Because that's what he's talking about here, to be honorable. To honor people that are around you. To love people that are around you, not to slander but to honor. You know that honor is the key to unlock the favor of heaven through people on earth. Honor is the key to unlock the favor of heaven through the people that are around us. You want to bring out the best in somebody? Honor them. You want to bring the love out of somebody? Honor them. The joy? Honor them. The peace? Honor them. We know how to bring out the worst. We know how to push those buttons, don't we? We know how to slander and bring out the absolute worst in people. To put those filters back on them of self-preservation, to put those filters of survival, to put those walls of anger back up. When we honor and we love, we unlock the favor of heaven through people. God has placed people all around you. God has placed people under your responsibility that are just waiting. They're waiting to have heaven unlocked in their lives. But they're not doing it because we're not honoring them. I just talked about those people in the parking lot and I think of John 13, 35, and Jesus says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, not tolerance for one another. Not tolerance for one another, but love for one another. Honor for one another, especially Christians. This should never be a place where there's dishonor, where there's slander, where there's contempt, and we'll get into it later. But this should be a place of love and honor always. Because when people walk in here, I want to see the best. I want to see your life edited, bringing out the best parts. When you edit a picture, you change the color balances, you change the exposure, you bring up the highlights, you turn down the contrast, you edit it and tailor it perfectly to that picture so that it can look its very best, so you can bring something beautiful out of it. That's what I want to see when I come into this room. I want to see your smile. I want to see that weight that you were carrying all week, have your shoulders lifted, your head tilted high, the lifter of my head, Jesus. I want to see your life edited by this word. And I understand that's not going to always be that way. Sometimes you will walk in here with a heavy heart. Sometimes you will walk in here hit by the world. 
But this should be a place where when you walk in, you feel love. And it reminds you, oh, let me take that filter off of there. I know how to edit. I know how to edit my life. I don't need to walk around with this worldly filter. Let me make the changes I need to. Let me get right with the Lord so that I can give this pure example, this pure attractive example of what heaven looks like so that others can find their way too. We go on and we, uh, we see verse uh, 3. We see, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. At one time that was us. Maybe this morning that was some of us. (laughs) Maybe that was a couple minutes ago for some of us. You were just thinking about somebody that did you wrong. I do that sometimes. Do you ever get mad about something that was so long ago? It just comes back in your mind. Something reminds you of them. Like, they did do that, didn't they? (laughs) Dion did steal my Lord of the Rings toy that one time and didn't give it back. You know what? (laughs) I'm not worshiping today. (laughs) Look at him up there happy, singing. They don't even know he's a thief. No, but seriously, <laughs> said that's how we used to be, right? That's how we once lived. We have to get off of our thrones. We have to get off of our high horse, off of our self-righteous behavior. We don't get to sit on the throne. We're not God. We didn't die for anybody. And we were once those exact same people that you have the audacity to look down on. That was you. That was you. Be honest, that was you. I, I was a missionary, philanthropist, whatever you want to call it, in Haiti for almost 10 years. And one of the things that I had to fight so strongly against was the filter that people would come down to Haiti with. The filter that missionaries would come down. It was this nasty culture that gave people this filter and this idea that because you came from a country where you could afford a thousand dollars to come here, you were somehow better than these people that had nothing. It was so nasty. It was nasty. And I had to fight it at every single turn. And we made it such a priority to make our teams and the people that I would lead down there understand that these people are you. They're you. You got the luck of the draw to be born in such an amazing, wealthy nation, and these people didn't get it. Doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you better. It doesn't mean God loves you more, and that was the nastiest one. It made them think that they had this filter that God loved them more because they had money. That they had something spiritually to give these people that were walking down dirt roads with no shoes on and still went to church. People that hadn't eaten in days at the altar worshiping their Savior. People would come down from here and have the audacity to think that because of something they did or something they had, they were better. And it's something that we've had to incorporate to this day 
in this sanctuary, in this congregation, in this ministry, when you serve, you are serving yourself. You are serving yourself in a different situation. You are serving yourself that made one bad decision. You are serving yourself that was born into a way worse situation. When you look at that person that is struggling, when you look at that person that is going through it, you don't look down at them. You look them eye to eye. You honor them. You love them. And you understand that that is you. That is you. That's you. We took a trip over, <laughs> over the summer with our young adults, and we do it every year, and we do missions and worship and all that, and every single time I stress it so much. I said, these people are you. You don't look down on anybody. That was you. Those filters of anger, those filters of slander, those filters of dishonor, you carried them too. Just because you learned how to edit doesn't make you better doesn't make you better. You can't earn more or less of God's love. The Christian that's going to become a Christian this morning is just as loved as the Christian who's been one for 50 years. And you might feel offended by that. That's not fair. (laughs) No, you've been living with the benefit of walking in God's favor for 50 years. That's the prize. You had this free gift a lot longer than this person that just found it today. That's your reward. That's your advantage. But you can't win more of God's love. And you definitely can't win more of God's love by throwing somebody else under the bus. I love the meme. It's like, if you're getting chased by the bear, I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just got to be faster than you. That's not how the kingdom of heaven works. (laughs) This is a free gift for everybody. Everybody. Christian that's going to become a Christian today. Christian that's been walking this faithfully for 50, 60, 70 years. Thank you. We're equal. So we go back to Titus. He says, we lived in malice, envy, being hated and hating one another. In verse 4, 3 verse 4, it says... And this is the good part. Man, this is good. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things to those who have trusted in God. They may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. We didn't deserve it. He didn't die for us because we're righteous. You can flush that self-righteousness down the toilet. You're nothing without him. He literally says you're blessed when you're poor in spirit and you realize that. We're nothing. He didn't die for us because we deserved it. He gave us this grace lavishly. He gave us this love. He gave us this honor. He gave us this full support 
that will never leave us or forsake us. Not because you did something to earn it. He gave you a free gift. We have to apply that edit to our life. Don't let the filter of this world that's taught you that you have to earn love distort the free gift that he gave you. Don't let the filter of this world that says, hey, you have to perform for people to like you. You have to do really good to get more attention. You have to be really great to bring any value to the table. That's a worldly filter. Learn to edit. Learn to edit with these words. Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of love and peace and a sound mind. That's who I am. Learn to edit. In this last part in Titus, this is the, this is the fun one. It's kind of crazy, but this is the fun one. It says in verse 3, verse 9, it says, but avoid foolish controversies. I want you to listen good for this, please. If you don't take anything else from today, edit this part. Edit this part of your faith because this should never look like us. And I see it every single year. I see something happen socially. I see an election coming. I say, oh, God. I get to see our church at each other's throats. I get to see people that I've grown up loving Jesus cussing at each other, slandering one another, hurting each other. It should never be us. And it's not just in those seasons. It's always. This is what we have to edit. It says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. They are self-condemned. You know, as I read this, I'm not really a huge New Testament guy. I love reading the Old Testament. It just is, it's a way better story in my opinion. Like it's as far as like just like visuals and picture, like the Old Testament is amazing and people don't like it for some reason, but the Old Testament is beautiful. You like it good. Yeah, I'm with you. The Old Testament is beautiful because there's these amazing stories of God moving and just all this crazy stuff happening. But when I read this specifically, talking about those who have controversy and who slander and argue, it brought to my mind the story of Absalom, David's son. David, King David, he had a son named Absalom. He wasn't in line for the throne. Really the only thing about him, they said he was super handsome. He had really awesome hair. Had like an odd amount of description of his hair. (laughs) That's why I like the Old Testament because it's just like super detailed like that. But it said he's just this handsome dude. He had really nice hair and his son Absalom committed premeditated murder against his brother to avenge his sister. Warranted, unwarranted, I'm not the judge of that. But David had to kick him out. David had to kick Absalom out. He said, you got to go, man. He said, otherwise, by the law, I have to kill you. So rather than kill you, I'll just get rid of you, and you can go and live in exile. 
And year after year, the Absalom was in exile. He had servants fighting to get him back into the kingdom, to bring him home. And finally, David said, okay, he can come home, but he's not allowed inside the temple. He's not allowed here with me. And so what Absalom did, and that aligns so perfectly with this, and it aligns so perfectly with this idea of just being slanderous and and dishonorable, he sat outside the gate of the kingdom, and he would wait for people to come with complaints. And so as people would come with complaints, he would give them his ear. He would give them his heart. He would say, oh, what are you here to do? And the person would say, oh, I'm here to protest King David because he didn't do what I wanted him to do, or our crops are dying, or our land isn't right. And Absalom would sit outside the gate, and he would say, man, that's so horrible. I'm so sorry for you. He would empathize with these people. He would empathize with these people sitting outside of the gate, and he would undermine the authority of David. And he would say, man, that's horrible. If I was the king, if I was in charge, I would do things way differently. I would do things way better. If it was me who was on the throne, I would make sure that your crops were taken care of. I would make sure that your requests were heard. He would sit outside that gate and he would say, he would just wait for people to come. And as that happened, day after day, week after week, month after month, he began to draw people to his cause. He began to draw people to his cause. So much so that he led a full rebellion against his father. He drew more and more people using contempt, using slander, undermining the authority, causing quarrel, causing disarray in people's hearts. He used it to lead a full-on rebellion to the point where David had to flee his home. And church, this this is a lesson for us. This is a lesson for us. As we talk about our faith, as we talk about editing things out that are not to be there, have nothing to do with these kinds of controversies, have nothing to do with these kind of quarrels, have nothing to do with this kind of dishonor, because it leads to destruction. Absalom led that revolt, he led that rebellion, and David had to flee for a while, but when he came back, He slaughtered, slaughtered the entire movement, and it ended up leading to the death of his own son. Not to the joy of David. David was hurt too. He didn't want his son to die. That's why he tried to exile him in the first place. But it led to the death of his son, and a victory that should have been happy was a time of mourning because they killed their own family. In church, when this arises, when these types of things arise in our church, when arguments arise, when quarrels arise, when undermining begins to happen, when slander begins to happen, have nothing to do with it because it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction and it causes loss on both sides that never needed to happen. So when you hear these things, when you hear slander, when you hear dishonor, What does it say to do? (laughs) It says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. 
Don't attach to self-condemned people. Don't get caught up playing a game that comes to somebody and says, hey, you know, I really don't like how uh, uh, Mar- Pastor Marty and, and Edie are leading life group. You don't like them either? Okay, yeah, let's get together and talk about it. Oh, you don't appreciate how they're always out there smiling, doing this and that? Yeah, me neither. Come over here. Come on, come on. Let's, let's talk bad about them. Let's get rid of them. <laughs> right? I really don't like how the worship team leads. If I was the worship pastor... <laughs> I really don't like Pastor Troy. If I was the senior pastor, things would be so much better. You're self-condemned. Because what does that mean? You're using the tools of hell to build the kingdom in your life. You're using the tools of hell. You're using the tools of slander, the tools of undermining, and you are making an illegitimate claim to a throne that does not belong to you. That's what Absalom did. He sat outside that gate, used the tools of hell to build a following, and had the audacity to sit on the throne that he had an illegitimate claim to, that he wasn't anointed for. And it led to his destruction. You know that each and every person in this room has been called and anointed to do a task for the kingdom of heaven. Every single person in this room has been called and anointed to do a a task in the kingdom of heaven, but using the tools of hell to make an illegitimate claim for something that you are not anointed for will only lead to destruction. So when you hear that slander, when you hear that dishonor, when you hear that undermining, you can warn them and rebuke them. Say, hey, listen, we don't do that. We honor here. We love here. We cover each other here. They keep doing it. Hey, I told you once. I'm telling you one more time. We honor here. We love here. We don't do that here. They keep doing it. You better have nothing to do with them. You let them go. Let them go. Have nothing to do with them. Because they're applying this worldly filter. They're using the tools of hell to understand this faith. You see that, you say, I know how to edit. I don't do those filters. I don't do those filters of dishonor. I don't do those filters of undermining. I don't make illegitimate claims to things that I'm not even anointed for. I honor the people that God has placed in those positions. And I say, Lord, allow them to teach me. Allow me to unlock the favor of heaven in their life that comes through honoring them. How dare I look up to somebody and say I don't like something. Ah. Love and honor. Why? Because I need to know how to edit. When we walk with a spiritually empowered life, we're able to edit. When we walk with this word written on our heart, we're able to edit. And when we live a spiritually empowered life edited by the word of God, That's where transformation happens. That's where transformation happens because the people that you interact with, the people that see you, the Christians that you are around in community with, they are built up. They are filled with the love of God. They see the joy that radiates off of you. They see the peace that radiates off of you and they know that's what I want. And when they say, how, how, how? You hold this up, you say, here, it's a free gift. It's not my righteousness. It's not my power. It's not my, no, here, 
this is it. When somebody sees you don't gossip with them. Why don't you talk like that about everybody who did you? What about the person that did you wrong? Why don't you talk about them? I don't live with worldly filters. I say, Lord, edit my thinking. Align my thinking with yours. Align my heart's desire with yours. Allow me to live a life that is spiritually empowered. So as I close today, I just want to invite everyone to stand. I want to read Titus 3 one more time. With every eye closed today, I want to give an opportunity for those that haven't asked Jesus to be in their hearts, to be the Lord of their lives. I want to give that call right now. If you've never done that before, if you've never called upon his name, you know you need him. I want to give you that opportunity now. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you today, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. As I say this prayer, you can repeat it in your own words. Say, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for everything you've done. I thank you for all that you have given us in your word. Lord, I ask that you will come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Make me new. Wash me clean, God. Align my heart with yours. Lord, I acknowledge you as the one true king, the only God and my savior. Help me each and every day to walk in your footsteps, Lord, and abide in your shadow. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to all the new Christians. Thank you for saying that prayer. Welcome. Let's give them a hand. Amen. That's an amazing step one. That is an amazing step one, but now it's time for the rest of your life. Now it's time for you to live this life edited by this word. And that's the call to every single person in this room. So as I read Titus 3, I just want everybody to lift your hands to heaven and receive this. And and say these words in your heart as I read them. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. 
warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Jesus, as we get ready to leave today, I just pray that you will move over this body, that you will move over this body and show them the areas where they need to edit God. I pray in Jesus' name, you are removing the worldly filters that have been placed upon them, God, that have been taught to them through their experience, God, that have been taught to them through life, Jesus. I pray that you are ripping those worldly filters off right now and you are teaching them that the Holy Spirit will allow them to edit those parts that hurt, edit those things that they have issues with, edit those areas where they don't have trust and faith, Lord. I ask that you will build it right now within them, God. Teach them every single day through your word how to get closer to you. Jesus, I ask that you will guide us. Allow us to walk in step with your spirit and allow us to be good at editing, not throwing filters. In Jesus' name, I rebuke a spirit of Absalom from this house. I rebuke a spirit of dishonor. I rebuke the spirit of slander. I rebuke that spirit, God, of illegitimate claims, God. And I ask that you will give a sense of security and purpose to every single person in this room and remind them that they have been called and anointed to a specific gift that you have given them to walk in. Lord, I ask you that they will be secure in those things, that they will be secure in finding that, God. And when they do, I ask that you will guide them fully and they will rely upon you and give you all the glory. Lord, allow us to walk in you. Allow us to live a spiritually empowered life edited by your word daily, Jesus. Allow us to write this word upon our heart and never put it down, God. We praise your name and we thank you. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Just want to say thank you, everybody, for coming this morning. Remind you to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. If you need prayer, come forward. Our altar ministers will be here. Have a blessed Sunday.